0: The agricultural revolution was history's biggest fraud. Who was responsible? Neither kings, nor priests, nor merchants. The culprits were a handful of plant species, including wheat, rice, and potatoes. These plants domesticated Homo sapiens rather than vice versa. Yuval Noah Harari I'm standing inside a wired fence which leads to a meadow. I'm nervous. My hands start to sweat in two big, loaned, yellow leather gloves that you see farmers use in the movies. I wait. I'm ready my small branch, so I'm ready when the door opens. I'm on my summer holiday from the school and I'm here to help. Finally the door opens. Trickle starts slow. First one, then pause. Others start to push from behind, and then they start to move. Now they know what's going on. They start to go faster, they start running, and I spring to action. There is something remarkable in it. Like teenagers in Gras, their unbridled happiness is joy to behold. They kick jump and act all goofy. I had a privilege to be helping hand in this when I was around 7 years old. I must have liked it, because I still remember it. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about cows. Have you ever seen cows when they are led to the summer pastures? I'd say it's better than 95% of cut videos out there. So yeah, cows are awesome. Don't believe me, there's a link in show notes. And if you're listening from Spotify or iTunes and can't see the show notes, you can see them at our website dhofpodcast.botb.com and or if you have an Android phone You can download any of the Myriad podcast apps. Something like Podcast Addict, which I use, that display the show notes correctly. History Finland podcast episode three, Mulun Lave, three thousand two hundred to one thousand nine hundred slash one thousand seven hundred BCE, late Neolithic period. This is going to be a shorter episode. That's because while producing this one, I went back to all the old ones and remade them as well. So now the introduction and these three proper episodes all have correct audio levels and few adjustments here and there. I think the podcast as a whole is vastly better, story is now more coherent. Today we will finish up with Neolithic Stone Age and do a little recap what we have covered so far and what is to expect in near future. Welcome along. This is our third episode, and we've covered 9000 years of history already. It is easy to hear millennia go by and see a few changes in ceramics, hunting styles, or the way people lived. It is good to remind ourselves once in a while that in that period there are about 300 generations. They all had their joys and sorrows births and deaths. Myriad of things happened and we have no evidence or story to tell of it. It's hard to even contemplate such a long time without losing a track what it really meant. Fortunately now we can start to slow things down a bit. Later we will also see the stories of people that actually lived. Instead of just inventing ones from Archaeological evidence, which can be enlightening too, mind you, but for now, we continue with ossuaries and priuses and mords. Two thousand five hundred BCE. You can call me Hugo. I'm our village stonemason. I'm telling you my story because someone needs to know what happened here. Our village have been fighting with another culture for generations. This new clan came from south and it has been taking over our land ever since. My parents had to evacuate our village when I was a baby. Many were killed. Our village chief was among them. Now his son leads us. We joined our forces with few other villages when we found this new place to inhabit and our chief has a plan to stop the invaders. Though our village is not big, it is on a hill and is surrounded by rivers, so it is easy to defend. This new area has a lot of rocks and we usually use them for our burial mounds. But the chief's plan needs them too. He wanted us to build a stone enclosure to protect us. It is almost finished which is fortunate, because now we can use it to store our seal meat. It only has one doorway, so it's harder to steal from there. Lately the other tribe has been raiding us, and it has become more and more daring. We fear they might be planning for something bigger, because... Who were the battle axe people? And what have they ever done for us? Well, besides animal husbandry, new type of housing, new type of axes, farming, new burial methods and probably gave us goats. What have the battle axe people ever done for us? Not sure if they brought peace like Romans did in Monty Python's Life of Brian. But they did end up mixing with hunter-gatherers and forming a new culture. They came from south and southeast and brought animal husbandry with them, and also new sort of ceramics. Corded ware ceramics, named so because of the lines in their ceramics that seem like they were pressed there with some wire. From these, we recently isolated. Cows milk fat, first direct evidence of their animal husbandry. Most likely they had sheep, goats or cows. The goded were culture, or by their more common name, Battleaxe culture, habitated areas with river wetlands or near streams, not directly by water, but a bit further inland on areas that had pastures for their animals. From there they spread to the north, until they met with Pöljakrub, the group in our story. It is believed that the stone enclosures, now called giant churches, Group built deterred battle axe culture from expanding north into Osterobotnia. Unlike predecessors, battle axe culture didn't use red ochre anymore, instead they buried their dead in fetus position so-called hawker position, possibly wrapped them and then buried the dead with axes and clay dishes. Also the farming in peninsula is connected to battle axe culture. Actual farming started at the end of stone age. At the same time, warm period was ending and when the climate cooled down, deciduous trees became rarer and their growth range moved towards south. This meant less food for humans, but it wasn't all bad news. Cooler environment meant that animals had thicker furs, which meant that they were more valuable. Also, when the trees weren't covering mountains in Lapland, that gave more space for deers, summer pastures, and thus herds grew bigger. The upgrade. Later padlax culture found a peaceful coexistence and mixed with hunter gatherers, and this end result is known as kyukaiden culture. They settled the area south from lahti Vuberg Line, part of the late Stone Age ceramics group. They principally hunted, gathered and fished but also practiced farming. From north of the Tampere Lahti Vuberg Line People still were hunter-gatherers. Kiukainen culture stayed mainly in the same places as Battleaxe culture, so living near beaches, on islands, or river mouths. They had chiefs, which they needed to organize bigger hunting trips, as a big seal hunting net found from Kuuminainen at Porri suggest. suchest. Chiefs were buried to burial mounds though it was rare at this point. It later became big thing in bronze age. With kiukainen culture we are also introduced to farming. 2300 to 2000 BCE. That brought few noticeable changes. First, with agriculture came more meaningful cyclical time perspective. Now different seasons had a big impact. What you would do? Would you sow, or harvest, and so on? Possibly with this came the beliefs of afterlife, and thus burying the dead near where you lived. Another big change from hunter-gatherers was thinking more about the future. Not just the next winter, but what would you sow next season? How to keep your animals alive during the winter, and so on. You also had to clear any new areas for your fields and look after them. Both cultures had to store their food, but for farmers this was more important, plus they had to guard their supplies even more. Some sites have evidence of palisades. Housing in late Neolithic period. Biggest chains came around Ostrobotnia and eastern Finland. Something we briefly covered already. The lock foundation in buildings. If you try to paint a mental image of such building, imagine standing on either end of seven or eight meters long cottage or hut or row house however you want to name it. You would enter on either end and take a few steps down to either earthen or wooden floor. The hut is dark, there are no windows. You can smell the dampness from all the skins and belts. As the foundation there are three or four sets of logs. You look up and you see wooden ribs supporting the roof, one end of which is rested on the lock foundations and the other end either on roof beam or supported on the ends of the other ribs on the other side. They are covered with perch bark plates and peat. The air would be smoky from one or two hearts. Still, definitely upgrade from what Mesolithic people had. Summary and what's in store in bronze age. So that does it for Peninsula Stone Age episodes. We covered the arrival of new inhabitants, their different burial methods, diets and their culture. Things change quite a bit when we enter Bronze Age. Farming spreads, we get branch items, population decreases almost everywhere. And how inland and coastal regions develop further. And what happened to our old friends. Padlax 2.0, aka Yukon Culture. Did they get wiped out? Did they spread to all Finland or something else entirely? And so the seeds have been sown to enslave people with grain and property. Thank you for listening. Till next time. Bye.